Welcome to the All People's Church Sunday Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more messages and resources, please visit allpeoples.com or download our free All People's Church app. Do you love Jesus? (laughs) Me too. It's going to be a great morning. Welcome to All People's Church. You made it here. I know we've had different service times all fall. We're so happy to worship you this morning. Special welcome to our guests. As Robert said, I'm Kendall. I'm our executive pastor. If I haven't met you yet, love to meet you after this service. My wife, Shelly, on the front row here, and uh, we have three kids, Ike, uh, Jed, and Liberty, who are in children's ministry right now, and we have a dog named Pepper and a cat named Chicken, and... My wife named the cat, and that's a different sermon. So uh, it's going to be a great, great morning as we continue our Partying God series. You guys been enjoying this series? The extravagant goodness of the Father. Who wouldn't love to talk about that? Recently, my family was out to dinner, and I had an interesting experience. For me, you know, a restaurant where I might like to go out to dinner, it's all about the ambiance, right? Ambiance, however you pronounce it. And, uh, you know, you have the menu and the atmosphere around you, but the music is a big deal, okay? And so it can really set the tone of a restaurant or a particular place that I visit. And I was really enjoying the playlist at this particular restaurant. Has anyone ever been there before? You've been somewhere like, man, they are playing my songs right now. Okay, three people, good. We'll meet after the service and have a special prayer gathering, us three. So um, so they were really rocking my, my high school playlist. And, uh, you know, all those songs that probably don't need to be sung in church. And, and I was just like reminiscing about these songs and, you know, just thinking, wow, I remember this song and I remember this song and visualizing myself driving off in my friend Clayton McGrady's Jeep the last day of high school. School was out for the summer. We were free. It was awesome. And, uh, you know, enjoying summer and enjoying life. And, you know, I found this word coming out of my mouth. This song is a classic. And immediately, another thought reared its ugly head. The songs I grew up with are classics. I'm old. (laughs) Now, maybe not everyone here has had this experience because this is a pretty young church, but those that have know what I'm talking about. And uh, I thought, oh, man, but isn't it funny that a song can really bring you into an experience, right? It can bring a memory back into your life. It can set the atmosphere. It can remind you of something. I love the holidays. One of the things I love is being around San Diego, and they're just playing worship music. They don't even know it. They're talking about joy to the world. The Lord is come and people are worshiping Jesus all over town because of Christmas. I'm a Christmas guy. I don't know about you. Um, uh, I remember another incident with a song in my life. The, The birth of our first child was a very challenging experience. And so for our second child, we were gonna be ready, okay? And so we had everything planned out to go to the hospital and a specific thing that my wife and I were very, very intentional about was our birth playlist, okay? So anyone here that's had a birth recently knows about the birth playlist, okay? I've got a few glory waves going on. And so we had the little portable speaker we bought from Amazon. We had the playlist. We were ready to go. And in our prayer and in our preparation, I had asked my wife, hey, what songs do you want in the labor and delivery room? Um, And so we started to talk about that. And uh, we prayed. And there was this particular worship song by Matt Redman, Your Grace Finds Me, that spoke to my wife. I'm breathing in your grace. I'm breathing out your grace. Perfect for labor. And so 
And she said, you know, songs like that. Awesome. Okay, I've got it. But you see, what I heard over here was only that song. And so we, we were in labor. We were in the hospital. Um, it had been several hours. And I'll never forget my wife turning to me in all of her uh, loving look that a woman always has in labor. And will you please change the song? <laughs> Listening to the same song. Oh, I'm breathing in your grace. You know, I still cannot listen to that song. It came up on my, like, Spotify radio the other day. I just shuddered. I was just like, oh, I'm sorry, Matt Redman. Oh, blessed be your name. That was a good one. I'll stick with that one, Matt. But your grace finds me. That one's off my iPhone. You could probably think of a song that was significant in your life. Maybe it was the song that someone walked down the aisle to in a wedding. Happy birthday. That's a song everybody loves, a song of celebration. Well, this morning I want to speak to you about a song. I want to speak to you about the first song we see in the Bible. It's in Exodus chapter 15, and it relates to the partying God because it is a song of deliverance. I want to speak to you this morning from the subject, celebrate with a song of deliverance. Are you ready, church, to celebrate with a song of deliverance this morning? You might not know this. The Bible contains many songs. Um, the Psalms, those are all songs, right in the middle of the Bible. If you open up in the middle, you'll probably find one. There's some kind of emo songs in there. One time David says, darkness is my only friend. He's feeling lonely. Other times he's running for his life. He's singing about that. There's another book in the Bible called the Song of Songs, and we are not going to read out of that one this morning. Um, but we are going to read out of Exodus 15. So would you just put your hand on your heart? Let's prepare our hearts for a word from God this morning, that we would be a people that celebrate with a song of deliverance. Lord Jesus, I pray you'd open our hearts to open our minds to receive from you today. Thank you for the power of your word. And I pray, God, that you, we would be a people that celebrate you, celebrate the God of extravagant celebration. We'd be a worshiping people. And Lord, we, we would prepare our hearts to receive a word from you today. Me too, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Our God's a party in God. He loves music. He loves celebration. And so he loves it when we celebrate with a song of deliverance. What's deliverance? Glad you asked. Definition, the definition of deliverance, it's the action of being rescued or set free. You know, that's who our God is. Our God is a deliverer. And we have a great opportunity as believers to celebrate with a song of deliverance. So let me set the scene for you. Exodus chapter 15, this first song of deliverance, the celebration of the Bible. Where does it come from? Well, we see the context for this in the previous chapters. It's a famous story. You probably know it. Even if you've never read the Bible, it's, it's common. It's that story of the parting of the Red Sea. It's that story where God's people are in Egypt. They've been in Egypt for generations, and they've been enslaved by Pharaoh. And so they're living under oppression, and they start to cry out to God, God, will you set us free? And God hears their groans, and he raises up a deliverer. The name of the deliverer is Moses. And God sends Moses to the people. He sends Moses to Pharaoh. Moses preaches to Pharaoh. He commands him to let God's people go. Pharaoh refuses. Many signs and wonders happen in Egypt as God is really making a point to Pharaoh that he wants his people free. Pharaoh hardens his heart. Eventually, God hardens his heart. And then, and then finally, after all of these different incidents of plagues and different things, Pharaoh finally relents 
in a moment of clarity and allows Israel to leave. So this was their deliverance. They're leaving slavery, going from one nation to the promised land, the nation that God has promised them and their forefathers. And as they're leaving Egypt, I think they were probably first experiencing that feeling of freedom. And I can see the scene in a movie when then they turn around and then they hear the rumbling, right? And then they start to see something in the distance and they're all walking and then they see, oh wow, that looks like a chariot. Uh Uh-oh, that looks like a lot of chariots. And then they realize Pharaoh is coming back after them. He has changed his mind. He had allowed them to be delivered, but now he's coming back to finish the job. He's coming out to annihilate them in the middle of the desert. And so they find themselves in Exodus chapter 14 with their backs up against the wall. They are trying to flee Egypt. They are wandering around. Pharaoh is pursuing them, and they have their backs to the Red Sea with nowhere to go. And that's where we pick up this story of a song of deliverance. Are you ready to read the word of God? We're going to start in Exodus 14, start about verse 10, and I'm just going to read some selections of this. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw Egyptians overtaking them. God's with you in your panic. (laughs) They cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't those graves enough for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. You can tell they're dealing with a little bit of an attitude problem. And Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. There's that promise of deliverance. That you, the Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Moving down a few verses. Then Moses raised his hands over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. You've probably seen the movie. The the water separates. Israel walks right through a big miracle, the kind of the main event in the life of the people of Israel, this parting of the Red Sea. Then the Egyptians, all the Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud and threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted the chariot wheels, making the chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. But the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground as the water stood on both sides. This is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hands of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. So this is the mighty deliverance that happens in the life of Israel. Their backs are against the wall. God makes a way for them. They take their way. It's their only way out. Pharaoh continues to pursue them, vile and evil, his desire to destroy the entire people of God. And then God rescues them by throwing the enemy into confusion and wiping out the enemy. The Lord fought for Israel. He was their deliverer. The Lord fights for you. He is your deliverer. Amen? Yeah, that's what we learned from this story. And then... Israel responds, and that's where we begin to see the song of deliverance. Celebrate with a song of deliverance. My first point, celebrate. Say celebrate. 
great. Exodus 15, verse 1, it says this, Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. So they responded to God's deliverance with worship in their life. That's powerful. I love that it says, then Moses and the people. You know, in your Bible, some of your Bibles may have a header like this. It says, the song of Moses and Miriam. That's true. Moses and Miriam were singing the song, but what it says in verse one is it was the song of Moses and the people. It was all the people that had come together to celebrate what God had done. I grew up in choirs, and uh, many choirs have you know four or five parts, bass, baritone, tenor, alto, and soprano, and I sang bass, and uh, as we were always preparing our section in the choir, it was always interesting to hear how bad the bass section sounded just by itself, um, but when you put in the lovely sopranos, right, then it becomes a wonderful chorus. You know, God wants all of us singing his song of deliverance. There's a part for all of us. There, it, somehow in the symphony of heaven, God has a harmony for you to be included in his celebration. Your, your worship matters. Yeah, just, I was thinking about this, just sit, drinking some coffee this morning. I thought of Ephesians 3.10. You know, it talks about through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God. That word manifold, it means multicolored. And so there, there's a, a expression of diversity and variety of worship that God wants in his church. Different kinds of people, different kinds of backgrounds, different kinds of culture, and all of us have something to contribute to celebration. It's kind of like a potluck. We all have something to bring. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I've consulted a lot of churches and obviously worked at this church for some time now. And this is what I know about church life. A lot of people come into a church and this is the question they're asking. Is there someone like me here? Do I belong? And, you know, you might be scanning the room for, for someone with a diff, a, the same style as you. Maybe someone that looks the same. Maybe someone from the same country. There's people from like over 50 countries in this room. Um, but you're, we're, we always are looking for people that have an affinity, people that are like us. But I had this thought as I was praying about this, you know, what if there's actually no one like you? What if you're just you? Yeah, there might be people that look the same or have the same culture, but, but, but what if we actually and God actually needs you in this church to sing a type of song that no one else is singing? What if the creative expression of worship in your life is what someone else needs to encounter God and that hasn't happened yet because your song of celebration has yet to be written? You know what I'm saying? Like God has a song. He has a creative expression of his glory, of worship, of celebration for all of us in our lives. So this party in God message isn't just about, you know, preaching the goodness of God and having great response times at the end, although that is part of it. It's about all of us walking in our authority of sons and daughters of God and saying, I'm gonna celebrate the Father in the exact way that he made me because other people need to see that celebrate with the song of 
deliverance. I like the book of Nehemiah. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I never get to share it, so let me just share it today. Nehemiah 12:43. This is my vision for the church. Nehemiah 12:43. And on that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. Amen. Women and children. All right? And the sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. I don't know what that was like, but I kind of view off the city in the distance, kind of like a football stadium. And you're hearing this like, ah, you know, you're hearing this sound of rejoicing. That's who we're called to be as the people of God. A people who rejoice, a people who celebrate. And there's such an influence that comes with that, that it's heard from far away. Are you tracking with me? There's some symbolism there. I hope you're getting it. Yeah, so, so what does that look like? when a church starts to take celebration seriously. When a church starts to say, you know what, that, that's true. We're, our celebration is gonna be heard from far away. We're gonna be a party in God people. What does that look like? Well, I, I wrote down a few things about, these things always are come from, they flow from celebration in a natural way. So here's the first thing I thought about, creativity. Creativity flows from celebration. If you've ever been to a party that had an amazing theme with costumes or food, there was creativity there because people wanted to have a good time. New expressions of worship come in a culture of celebration because God wants us to bless him and influence our hearts in a unique way. Here's another thing that happens in a culture of celebration. We honor other cultures because when we're focused on celebration, it gets kind of neat to see, oh, you celebrate God this way. I celebrate God this way. I wonder what that sounds like together. So cultures start to be honored. Friendship. When a church focuses on celebration, there are always reasons to gather. So new relationships form. The prophetic. So what you're going to see at the end of this song is that Miriam, who's Moses' sister, a prophetess, that God gives her a word from the Lord. And whenever we're, we're worshiping God, and you can just kind of feel the atmosphere changing around you. Ever notice that's a great opportunity to hear God speak to you? God speak to your heart. Worship, celebration brings the prophetic. And then, then finally, generosity. You know, worship starts with a song, but it doesn't end there. And people give of their hearts, they give of their lives, they give of their resources when God is touching their life in a culture of celebration. Let's be a church of celebration, okay? Good. All right, let's keep reading Exodus 15. I'll sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. I am off my notes. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. Pharaoh's chariot and army he has hurled into the sea. The finest of Pharaoh's officers are drowned into the sea. The deep waters gushed over him. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, is glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, smashes the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow those who rise against you. Pretty good song, if you ask me. You unleash your blazing fury. It consumes them like a straw. They're celebrating God's victory. At the blast of your breath, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood like a straight wall. In the heart of the seas, the deep waters became hard. The enemy boasted, I will chase them. I will catch up with them. I will plunder them and consume them. I will flash with my sword. My powerful hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath and the sea and covered them. And they sank like lead. They sank into the mighty waters. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders. You raised your white hand and the earth swallowed its enemies. They're celebrating their deliverance. 
celebrate with songs of deliverance. Here's my second point, with songs. Okay, so I love how this, this, this song starts with this declaration in verse one. I will sing to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord. And I love that phrase, I will sing. You know, that's a choice, right? Worshiping God, it's a choice. That's a declaration. I'm going to sing to the Lord. And although Israel had been delivered from the Red Sea and from the Egyptians, and the, as they celebrated in the song we just read, they actually didn't have a perfect setup at that time. They didn't have very many provisions. They were out in the wilderness on their own. They didn't quite know where they were going. It was not an ideal situation. And I love how they worshiped God in a less than ideal situation. Does anybody out there know what I'm talking about? And there's something so powerful in our lives when we choose to celebrate God with a song in the midst of our pain and our struggle. I have a good friend that's going through a very serious disease right now. And uh, God's helping her supernaturally. She's getting great treatment from doctors. But in the midst of that, she needs Jesus. And uh, we, we were talking last week, and I was so convicted as she spoke about coming into church and how God was just ministering to her so deeply with his presence during our worship time. And I thought, oh, man, how many times am I, like, thinking about the announcement slides or, you know, messing with my phone or trying to find a water bottle or whatever, just being real here, during worship. But this is my opportunity to sing a song of deliverance about what Jesus has done in my life. Like, that makes church a lot more than a box to check on my weekly schedule to me. It's like, wow, this is powerful. I'm doing something I need to do. There's an expression that's coming from my heart right now that's very powerful. I was thinking about that, and as I was preparing this message, I was reminded, I saw it on Facebook a few weeks ago. Uh, It was a group of people in a Hurricane Harvey shelter. And of course, as we're talking about worshiping in less than ideal circumstances, less than ideal circumstance, right? Your city is flooded. There's been a hurricane. You have no place to live. You're living in a government community shelter. And I was so amazed as I saw this video and I saw people worshiping. So I just thought this would bless you guys, seeing people singing a song of deliverance over their life in a hurricane shelter. So let's watch that now. deliverance looks like. Your, your life isn't perfect, but you've been rescued from a flood. 
So you're going to worship anyway and have heaven come touch that shelter because God's given it to you. Amen? That's celebrating with a song of deliverance. I don't know, Stephen, maybe we could get those ladies in. That would be awesome. (laughs) I will sing. That's what verse 1 says. I like that. I will sing. You know, worship makes the general revelation of God personal in our life. That's what worship does. This, all over this psalm, psalm, psalm of uh, Exodus 15, we see these declarations. I will sing. The Lord is my. He has given me. This is my God. I will praise. I will exalt. Worship connects our hearts emotionally to the presence of God like nothing else does. It makes God's presence personal in our life. He doesn't just become our God. He becomes my God. He doesn't just become my father's God. He becomes my God. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and army he has hurled into the sea. When you start to thank God for specific things he has done in your life, your faith becomes your own. Then he goes on. I've already read it, but they sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders. You raised your right hands, and the earth swallowed its enemies. I will sing songs of deliverance. So I will celebrate with songs of deliverance. So here's this last point, deliverance. I talked about deliverance. Deliverance is the act of being set free or rescued. And so I want to talk about deliverance for a minute and why we celebrate as the people of God. So Psalm 32, 7 says this. This is God singing over us. You surround me with songs of deliverance. So as much as we're singing a song of celebration to God, what I want you to know this morning is God is singing over you. I like that uh, verse. If you go look at the Hebrew and you look at that word songs, Psalm 32, 7, you surround me with songs of deliverance. Um, The first time I read that verse, I kind of thought, that's nice. God is singing a lullaby over me. That's not what it means. Uh, Songs of deliverance, that word songs, it means a ringing cry, a shout of joy. So it's a lot more like this. God is singing over you, freedom, like that. (laughs) He's yelling over you. He's declaring over you. He's really, really celebrating your freedom and your deliverance. So we're celebrating God delivering us. It kind of looks like this. One of the hardest things as a parent is, is watching your children suffer. And uh, it's especially challenging when you feel like your children are suffering unduly. And uh, for me, uh, sleep has been a struggle in different seasons. I've struggled with nightmares and night terrors in different seasons of my life. And so I've prayed. I've been very careful about the media in our home, setting a godly atmosphere. And yet still, uh, one of my children has nightmares at times. And it's very discouraging. And so we get up, we pray, we talk about it, we try to soothe him, practically put him back to sleep. But it's very challenging. And then you you wake up tired and frustrated the next morning, not to mention the spiritual frustration and implications. It's an attack from the enemy. And so um, one night he came with a particularly um, interesting dream where basically he said a, a pig had appeared and the pig's name was Satan and it was trying to scare him. And I thought, you know what? I've had enough of pigs named Satan. And so uh, the next morning we woke up and there was a particular place in the house he saw it in his dream. And I thought, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go to that spot. 
And so we went over to that spot and I said, son, is this, is this where you had this nightmare? And this is where, this is where you, know, you felt scared and intimidated and like God wasn't on your side? And he said, yes, it was this spot. And I said, okay, well, we're gonna worship Jesus here. We're gonna sing a song of deliverance right here in this spot of our house. Allow me to be kind of mystical for a minute. Is that okay? It's church. Okay, all right. So we just sang, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And then we did the woes. Whoa, it was awesome. We worshiped for a minute. And then I said, okay, now we're gonna ask Jesus about this. And he closed his eyes. He said, in one eye, I still see that pig. I'm scared, dad. Like it's, the memory is with me. And then he said, but in the other eye, I see Jesus. And I said, what's Jesus doing? <laughs> he said, well, he's got a big sword and it's on fire. I said, what do you think is going to happen to that pig? <laughs> that pig got made of bacon, guys. So God is speaking to my son through his imagination and breaking off fear. That's deliverance. God is not passive. God is not lame. God is not weak. God is not holding back. God is not pulling back and hoping that one day it works out for you. God is present. God is near. God is powerful. God is strong. He is rich in mercy. He is on your side. His love is always in your corner, and he will not let you down. He will contend with your enemy on your behalf if you sing a song of deliverance. Why do we need to be delivered? You might say, okay, I'm not having nightmares. I'm not having major problems in my life today. Do I need deliverance? Do I need to be set free from something? Well, Colossians 1, this is what Jesus did for us. In the New Testament, we've been in the Old Testament. This is what it says Jesus did. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, and then there's some other stuff there that I think was supposed to be taken out of that slide. So we can take that down now. Deliverance one, uh, Colossians 1, 13 to 14. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. Say delivered. Great. So it's like this. Before knowing Jesus, we're under the domain of darkness. God has delivered us. Actually, I wanna, I wanna act this out. So Joel, why don't you come up here? Uh, Philip, why don't you come up here, okay? So hop on the stage, guys. Okay, so Joel's wearing a black shirt, so he has to be Satan in the drama today. <laughs> At least I'm not a pig, Joel said. All right, Philip's wearing brown, so he's gonna be Adam, because Adam was made out of the dirt. Okay, so, all right, so this is how it happened. God created Adam, okay? You following me? Genesis 1, he gave Adam a job. He said, be fruitful and multiply, okay? Subdue the earth and take dominion. And when God did that, he gave Adam the keys to my white Chevy Tahoe and also to the earth, okay? He, he gave Adam the keys to the earth. He gave Adam authority. He gave them the authority to name the animals, to take the earth and subdue it and bless creation in his name. But then we know the story. Satan came, he tempted Adam, and Adam sinned. And when that happened, Satan took Adam's authority. And he took Adam with him into the domain of darkness. So Adam is in darkness. 
Without Jesus, we are born trapped in sin. We live in the domain of darkness. And so that's why Jesus calls Satan the prince of the earth or the ruler of the air is because he had authority over the earth that Adam gave him. But here's the amazing thing is about what Jesus did. Jesus came to bring abundant life and he came to bring deliverance. So he came, he lived a perfect life, did the very thing that Adam could not do. And then he performed many miracles. He set many people free. And then he died on the cross and he paid the price for Adam's redemption, for Adam's deliverance. And then he died. He descended to the dead. He went to the devil. He said, may I have my keys back, please? And then he took us with him, delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. That's what it says in Colossians 1, 13 and 14. And then at the end of the book of Matthew, Jesus says this, all authority, authority, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Now you go and make disciples of all nations. So Jesus delivered us. Thank you guys. Jesus delivered us from the domain of darkness. So we all have a reason to celebrate. There is a heaven. There is a hell. There is an eternity. And Jesus has rescued us if we will believe in him. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So besides just freedom for our sins, there are other types of deliverance that we often need in life. Israel need to be delivered from Pharaoh in a physical trial. We need deliverance from physical trials. We cry out for God's help. We need deliverance from our past at times. Past hurts, past hangups, things that have been done or said to us. We need deliverance from those things. Sometimes it's just the fallenness of the world. We just need God's help. And sometimes, because the Bible is true, and the world is more spiritual than we think, we need deliverance from what the Bible calls demons or evil spirits. And these things are all throughout the Bible. And so regardless of why we need deliverance, we all know that we need it. And that's one of the reasons, just to get very practical for a minute, that we have Freedom Day as a church. You know, this will be our third Freedom Day this year. I think we've had almost, almost over 400 people go through these days and just say, you know what? It doesn't matter what's happened to me, but I'm gonna take control of my life now and I'm gonna let God's freedom reign in every area of my life. And so people are coming and moving forward and walking in freedom. I just wanna demystify the day for you because I, I really would love to see you there if you haven't been yet. Even if you've been at this church for a while, it's a new experience we haven't done before. So uh, it's a day filled with solid Bible teaching on the issues of the heart and then powerful response times where we teach and different ones of our pastors teach on the Holy Spirit, on forgiveness, on repentance, being healed from our past and deliverance. So this is the next step in our discipleship journey for many people is undergoing deliverance. I wanna invite you to do that, okay? There's another kind of deliverance that many of us need, financial deliverance. I don't know if you've ever been in debt, I have. Man, it's challenging. You know, the average American spends $1.25 for every dollar they make. So that means if you made $100, you went out and spent 125. And our culture revolves around debt. Our nation is entrapped in debt. And when we are in debt, we have to serve the purposes of paying off that debt rather than serve the purposes of God. You know what I'm saying? Like, there, there's something else that's already spoken for. 
I remember uh, my, my wife and I, uh, we were in, had some college debt, and there was nothing wrong with that. It wasn't immoral, but we just couldn't pay it off, and we were in ministry, and, you know, just believing God, and we worked hard. We saved. We gave. We worked through all that process for years and years, and there was just an amount we could not give off, get off, and there was one day where I got an email about an account we had that someone had made a deposit in it, and I thought that they had uh, messed up a zero, and so I, I called the bookkeeper, and I said, hey, um, is this is this right? And I said, oh yeah, you received a, a, a good size check today. And uh, yeah, you can just be blessed with that as this will, this will be going to, to your income this year as you're raising missionary support. And I thought, oh my gosh, in an instant, I've been delivered. And I was with Pastor Jonathan Lair, uh, who runs our Mexico church. And he looked at me and said, hey, this is a game changer and you're buying lunch. So... Um, but we went out to lunch that day at Santana Burrito. It was glorious. And we celebrated with a song of deliverance. Uh, Malachi 3 says this about our finances. Verse 9 through 11, you're cursed with a curse for you're robbing me. The whole nation of you bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down a blessing until there's no more need of it, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soul. God's promise is if we honor him with our resources, he will rebuke the devourer. That means things last longer. That means our output is greater than our input. That means a supernatural protection falls on us and our property. It doesn't mean everything's always perfect, but it means God's hand is on us. And you can be delivered from financial curses by giving and honoring God with your resources and doing life God's way. We're having a financial freedom class this fall as well. And if that's of interest to you, I'd invite you to that. Let's finish this song of deliverance. Band's gonna come up now. With your unfailing love, you lead the people you have redeemed. And your might, you guide them to your sacred home. The peoples here and tremble. Anguish grips those who live in Philistia. The leaders of Edom are terrified. The nobles of Moab tremble. All who live in Canaan melt away. Terror and dread fall upon them. The power, these are all Israel's enemies. The power of your arm makes them lifeless as a stone until your people pass by, O Lord, until the people you purchase pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. This is speaking of the promised land now. The place, O Lord, reserved for your dwelling. The sanctuary, O Lord, that your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers rushed into the sea, the Lord brought the water crashing down on them, but the people of Israel had walked to the middle of the sea on the dry ground. And then there's that prophetic promise that comes at the end of the song of deliverance. Then Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine and led all the women as they played tambourines and danced. And Miriam sang this song, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, for both horse and rider he has hurled into the sea. Celebrate with a song of deliverance. You ready to celebrate? Let's stand up. And just what I want to do this morning, kind of a different response time. If you need to celebrate with a song of deliverance over your life, maybe you have been delivered or you're in the process of being delivered. I just want to invite you to come to the front. We're just going to flood the front of this church with worship today. You can just start walking down now. Our response time is just celebrating and worship. Just want to invite you to come to the front. You just press all the way in. A lot of people will come. While these people are just responding, 
If you're someone that has never given your life to Jesus, God wants to deliver you from sin, death, and destruction today, and the judgment that you feel on your heart because of sin, and the distance you feel from God. And it's very easy. Today, as I was praying, I just had that image of the thief on the cross, just that man that looked right to Jesus. And he said, Jesus, remember me. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. All you have to do is call out to Jesus and pray something like this if you want to give your heart to him. You can say, Jesus. So pray this for the first time if you want to give your life to Jesus today. You can say, Jesus, take my heart. Forgive me for my sin. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you redeemed me when you rose again from the dead. I receive your salvation. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your deliverance. And I walk in faith that I'll be with you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what? When I ask the band to prepare this song, the cross has the final word. That's what we're celebrating with the song of deliverance. The cross has the final word over our finances. The cross has the final word over our relationships. The cross has the final word over our health. The cross has the final word over our work. The cross has the final word over the nations of the earth. The cross has the final word. We release a song of celebration from this place this morning. In Jesus' name, God, thank you for your deliverance. We have been transferred from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of your beloved son. In you, we have redemption and forgiveness from sins and life everlasting. The cross has the final